Welcome back, guys. That was the news. And, of course, we are back here coming to you from Ethiopia. The news was not coming from Ethiopia. Yeah, yeah. The news was coming from Australia. No, the news was coming from Ethiopia. But the news was coming from from Australia. Some of the news is coming from the Philippines. Tra- Tracy was coming from Australia. Oh, Tracy, we are okay, man. I'm, we are confused. <laughs> See, this is what happens when Lawson travels I, and when I, Lawson gets jet lagged, and Lawson does a, like a sixty hour trip from Australia. Man, to, I'm, I'm losing my mind. Hey? <laughs> from Australia to Ethiopia. Yes, Tracy Weir, of course, coming from Australia, and now us coming from Ethiopia, where we are bringing you the Word of God, and uh-huh. we are preaching the Word of God every night, and having the most amazing experiences, mm. and i got to tell you, you, know, you look at the hotel window right here where we are, and you see these massive, massive bin chickens on steroids, oh, just yeah. circling and circling and circling. I mean, we have bin chickens in Australia, um, but you have never seen what we have over here. Here in, in Africa, a chicken is, is an ibis, by the way. Yeah, an ibis. You know, yeah. the ibis. We, we we love to see it. They, they they're great garbage collectors. Yeah. They um they, they they take care of all of the rubbish. And where would we be without them? And Amer- <laughs> Africa Africa has the uh, the same thing, but on steroids. They're like ginormous. These things they wander around. They look you in the eye, and it's like, yeah, I'm not going to mess with you. It's actually scary, man. It's, like, it's seriously intimidating. Me and me and Mon and another girl is here with us, Vani. We're on a walk along the. Uh, the, the boardwalk of this of the the big lake that's here in Hawassa mm-hmm. and there was a guy feeding the the boardwalk that's made out of cobblestone yeah 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 that one um, and there was a guy feeding the the ibises well not the ibises, the, the storks the storks he was feeding the storks and we'd like trying to walk through and then the storks all like turn their attention to us like, yes, I'm, please like, feed me freaking out I'm like walking it like so slow like no sudden movements and then the guy's like laughing at me he's like oh it's okay you come you come I'm like all right, and then <laughs> yeah. slow, and then I just take off through it, and I'm like, oh, I mean, the these things, these <laughs> things would be what half your height. Yeah, half your height, and and they're just standing there, and they have a beak that'd be like what, maybe six hundred millimeters long, oh, just ginormous, and, and 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 they've got no feathers on their on their head; they're completely bald, and these big old eyes, and they just they just look you in the eye with that one eye. You know how birds do; yeah. they they give that give you that one eyed look, and it's like feed me, and I'm like <laughs> I have no food on me. Please do not take my arm right now. Yeah, it's like I have no food in the and they're like, well, then you are food. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's like. <laughs> they're amazing. Oh, they're the biggest, freakiest things on the planet. And they circle every evening outside of our hotel room. And they just circle and circle and just ride the, the, the air currents above the city. Mm. And they have totally adapted to city life, just, our, uh, just like our Ibis have in Australia. Mm. It's just they're like 10 times the size. Anyway, we need to go back to Revelation chapter 14, which is talking about three angels flying. Flying in the midst of heaven, and I imagine three angels being a lot more attractive than the storks that they have over here. Hundred percent, and uh, circling in the circling in 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 the atmosphere with three messages to mm. present. We have here um, in Revelation chapter fourteen. Of course, they're symbolic of three messages to go out to the world at the very end of time. Revelation fourteen is divided into three parts. Mm-hmm. First, you have a special group of people. 
144,000 who give a very special message at the end of time just before Jesus comes back and the three angels messages is that very special message Jesus prophesies it in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 14 and John sees the fulfillment of it right here in um, in Revelation chapter 14 and so uh, we find that, uh, yeah, the very, very special message here, followed by a very special time period. So special people with a special message for a special time. Mm. And, of course, the end of the chapter is that that time period is the judgment. Yes. <coughs> okay, so we have, uh, we were, we, we've done uh, chapter uh, 14 and verse 8. Yep. Um, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. And now we come to chapter 14, verse 9 and 10. Yes. Please, Lawson. All right. Okay, so this is where, this is where God seriously just does not hold back. Mm. You know, sometimes I come to people who, uh, I'm going on too much here, aren't I? Um, I'll give you, I'll give you a turn here in a second, Lawson. All right. But sometimes, <laughs> too excited, way too excited. Um, sometimes we have here in, uh, um, in, in our world, we have those who would say, you know, what I like the New Testament but I don't like the Old Testament the Old Mm. Testament is full of wrath and anger and you know hard things and the New Testament is full of love and peace and joy and then I show them Revelation 14 (laughs) verse uh, uh, yes 9 and 10 and it's like whoops um, this is actually stronger than anything you will find in the Old Testament Mm -hmm. so I will read. In Revelation 14, verse 9 and 10, the Bible says, Then a third angel followed them, shouting, Anyone who worships the beast and his statue, or who accepts his mark on the forehead or on the hand, must drink of the wine of God's anger. It has been poured... It has been poured full strength into God's cup of wrath. And they will be tormented with fire and burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Just just, just, just to add to it, Lawson, give us the next verse. All right. The smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever, and they will have no relief day or night, for they have worshipped the beast and his statue and have accepted the mark of his name. Okay, so if you're having, uh, if you're having uh, trouble digesting your breakfast this morning, <laughs> here we have fire and brimstone for the breakfast show, but hey, it's part of the Bible, and we are studying the book of Revelation, and it is included in the book of Revelation, so we do need to... You know, take into consideration, take note what the Bible is actually mm-hmm. talking about in this passage here. And, it, and and what we do find is this is a very, very serious passage. Yes. No question about it. Oh, man. The most troubling thing about this passage is that this is the only place in the Bible where wrath is poured out undiluted. Mm-hmm. You will not find that anywhere else. In every other passage, wrath is always diluted with mercy. Mm. In this passage, it is not. Mm. The thing that troubles me the most is that when we talk about the beast, the mark of the beast, and the image to the beast, we find that generally speaking amongst Christianity today, 
Nobody knows what the mark is. Yeah. Oh, nobody I, knows who the beast is, and nobody knows what the image is, and they are all looking for it in the future because Satan has pulled the wool over their eyes. Um, they do not realize that these entities are here, you know, right now, and mm. that as a result of that, we need to, you know, we need to understand exactly. And they're all like, oh, yeah, it'll be in the future sometime, and it might be this, and it might be that. And you'll get Christians who'll sit around on a Sunday afternoon and, and speculate. Mm. You know, as if as if God would give a warning that was so powerful as this and and then leave us to speculate as to what it might be about. Yeah. It's it's crazy, you know. Going, I've you know have had experience with with these kinds of people, um, but as well, you know, going on different forums on Facebook and whatnot, and and it's just like, you know, everyone's just speculating. Oh, who who who's the antichrist going to be? be. The, the, the question who's is always be? might. It might be this. It might be that. And, and and seriously, it's it's just crazy when you've got people answering with such things as like, oh. It's gonna be. It's gonna be Barack Obama. It's gonna. It's, well, it's definitely Donald Trump. It's gonna be Saddam Hussein. You know, it's like Saddam Hussein. Like, is no. Like, Osama bin Laden is dead. Like, you know, these are like the people just latch onto different things and they're like, oh, it must be this. It must be this. Oh, and the mark must be your computer chip. Or and during the Cold War, yeah. which predates you. Yeah. Um, I'm showing my age now. But during the Cold War, the Antichrist was always going to come from Eastern Europe. Oh yeah. You know, you read the. Left Behind series that was written during the latest stage, the last stages of the Cold War era, and the Antichrist is Eastern European. Yeah. Because Western Christianity is looking across at the East like, oh, that's the great enemy, that's where it comes from. Now, during the War on Terror, oh, no, 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 we had it wrong. It's not It's not Eastern Europe. Antichrist is not Eastern Europe. He, he's going to be Islamic for sure. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, just, just, it's just wild. <laughs> like, just, whatever is in the news, wherever the wind blows, is where people go on this subject. And to think that the Bible Bible talks so much about who the Antichrist is. Like, you know, the period that the Antichrist has to reign, the 1260 years, which is always, you know, this 1260 year period is always in, you know, wrapped in the Antichrist. Yes. Is mentioned seven times in the Bible. That's right. And around this, like, time period is always signs. And all of these signs are all, you know, they all fit together. They all, yeah, it's just, it's just gnarly, but we won't get more into it. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Yes, indeed, we will get more into this because this is a, you know, and as Lawson was talking about, this is one of the biggest subjects that you'll find in Bible prophecy. Mm. It's repeated more than anything else. Now, here's something interesting that you need to note in relationship to the Antichrist. Okay. Major characters in the Bible are introduced through numerous different names, each giving a different aspect of their character. Yes. Because name is symbolic of character. So Jesus is the most major character in the Bible. Mm. Um, there are so many different names for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we could list just a few. Jesus is called, you know, Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, Emmanuel, you know. The Lamb, the, the High lamb. Priest. Yeah, we could go yeah. on and on and on. Um, probably the second most 
significant character in the Bible is Jesus' opposite number, who is Satan. Mm-hmm. Satan is called Satan, the devil, the dragon, uh, the serpent, Belzebub, Azazel, you know, and there's a bunch of different names for him as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've got this, 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 this thing where when the Bible wants to introduce a major character, you get a bunch of different names. Think about this. Mm-hmm. The Antichrist. Yes. Is called the Antichrist by uh, John in First and Second John. Ah, uh-huh. all right. But in Revelation thirteen, he's called the Beast. In Revelation seventeen, he's called the Great Harlot. In Daniel chapter eleven, he's called the uh, King of the North. In Daniel chapter seven, he's called the Little Horn. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Second Thessalonians, he's called the Man of Sin, etc., etc. In Revelation chapter three, Jezebel. Yeah. You know, that should tell you something. This is the third most named Mm. entity anywhere in Scripture. Yeah. That means that we need to know who this is. Yeah. We can't afford to be speculating mm. about who the Antichrist is. Seven times, as, as Lawson pointed out, you've got the 1260-day prophecy repeated. And of course, we've already, you know, as we've been studying through the book of Revelation, we've already gone over... A few times now, who it is. Okay, so yeah, we don't need to go over who it is. We, we talked about the Antichrist yesterday yeah. with the fall of Babylon, mm-hmm. and uh, we know that we're dealing with the Vatican here, and of course, um, Protestantism uh, forming an image to the Vatican by creating a union of church and state, creating virtually a, a carbon copy, yeah. um, and then of course, at the very end of time, by enforcing religion, enforcing worship on the world. Yes, um, and ushering in the mark of the beast. And so this is really what we're talking about here. We've we've already covered these subjects, but of course we always come back to it because you know the, the Bible Revelation just keeps coming back just to it, keeps talking about it, keeps giving us warnings, keeps giving us you know more and more information so that we know <laughs> as Christians living in the end times, so that we know who it is and we can just you know instead of being deceived, we can just follow the Lamb. Okay, so rather than uh, going into all those details again because we have already covered them in depth, mm. why don't we now um, look at some of the other issues? Issues that this three angels message brings yes. up. So let's go to uh, verse ten and eleven. Okay, the Bible says in verses ten eleven, uh, must drink of the wine of God's anger. It has been poured out full strength into God's cup of wrath, and they will be tormented with fire and burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. The smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever, and they will have no relief day or night, for they have worshipped the beast and his statue and have accepted the mark of his name. Okay, so when we look at this particular passage, it's very, very challenging because you've got two things. One, you've got uh, obviously you know, wrath being poured out undiluted mm-hmm. on those who worship the Antichrist. Yes. But then you have this situation where it says the smoke of their torment arises forever mm-hmm. and they have no rest day or night. Yes. Please explain. Please explain. Well, it- Does God... Okay, so is this a situation where God's like, okay, you're, gonna, you're not going to worship me, you're going to worship somebody else, and uh, yeah, I believe in religious liberty and all the rest. Um, that's a, a foundational principle of Scripture. But you know what? Um, now that time is over, I'm going to suspend religious liberty, and because you chose to worship somebody else, I'm going to torture you. But, you know, not just like for, uh, you know, a couple of days or anything like that. Yeah. I'm actually going to extend it for, well, um, yeah, Forever. maybe eternity. Yeah. 
it's pretty gnarly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, what is the Bible talking about here? Mm. Help us out, Lewis. Well, I think you, you think. Know, I think no. I uh, I have come to the conclusion from my corroborative studies of the scripture. <laughs> okay, just put it this way. This is a simple. Let me help you out here, Lawson. The Bible says yes. <laughs> the Bible says no, the Bible. You know. And I'm sure you'll elaborate a bit more on this, but the Bible... This is Lawson throwing it back at me. He's like, I've, I've just dumped Lawson in this one head first. <laughs> That's okay. Now, the, the Bible uses forever um, in the same way as us Westerners use the word forever. Indeed, indeed. Do you ever get in traffic? Mm-hmm. And, I hate being in traffic. And, uh, That's why I now do not live in Sydney. <laughs> and, um, you know, while you're in traffic, you get a call, you know, from home. You're on your way home. You get a call from Shell. Yep. And, you know, you're having a chat with Shell. And you're in this traffic and you're just stuck and you're just crawling pace. Mm-hmm. You're like, man, this traffic is taking forever. Indeed. I think, you know, no, I know from reading my Bible, I know that God uses the, this term forever. The Bible uses this term forever in the exact same way. Yes. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, Lyle, you'll be able to show us where it says. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Go to Revelation chapter 19. Ooh, okay. Sorry, Revelation chapter 20. Watch this. I'm going to show you a contrast here. In fact, I'm going to show you a contradiction. A contradiction. Yes, a contradiction. All right. Yeah. Show us. I'm right, keen. So the Bible contradicts itself, mm-hmm. as all atheists will say. Yes. Um, and I am not an atheist. All right. So read for me Revelation chapter nine, chapter twenty, uh-huh. uh, and verse nine, and tell tell me what the fire does to the wicked. Okay, so the, the Bible says, And I saw them as they went on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded God's people and the beloved city. But the fire from heaven came down on the attacking armies and consumed them. All right, mine says devoured. Okay. Consumed, devoured. Mm-hmm. Does the Bible say here preserved? No. Consume and devour is pretty much the opposite of preserve, right? Uh-huh, yes. Okay, so just in case you're wondering about that, um, I, uh, I have a solution for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, everybody's in, everybody's in Australia. Bummer. Yeah. Okay, so here's, the, here's my solution. Uh, we will be back in Australia on the 2nd of April bringing you the breakfast show from our Australian studio. Mm-hmm. And if you are confused... Uh-huh. about what the word consume or devour means. Uh-huh. And if you think that it means to preserve, uh-huh. then uh, just simply send a apple pie, it's one of my favourite things, an apple pie along to the Faith FM studio in Newcastle, 112 Lake Road, um, Elmore Vale. Uh, just putting it out there. And we will on radio, on air, and we will live stream it through our social media. We will publicly demonstrate what the word consume and devour means. You up for that, Wilson? <laughs> hey, I do. I'm so keen. You would not <laughs> yeah, believe yeah, I am okay. keen as a thing. We will demonstrate what those words mean. And so the Bible says that the wicked will be consumed. Mm-hmm. And there are a multitude of Bible passages that say exactly the same thing. The wicked yes. will be turned into ash. We're going to look at some of those in just a moment. But before we do, we now need to read verse 10. Okay, let's read verse 10. Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Okay, so there it is. They're tormented day and night forever and ever, but they're consumed. But they're tormented day and night forever and ever, but they're consumed. Which one is it? Man, I'm, I don't know. I'm... <laughs> Lyle, 
Give us the answer. Please. Okay, the answer is very, very simple. The word forever and ever um, in the Bible is, I, I could give you 56 places in the Bible where it refers to an event that comes to an end. Yes. In fact, sometimes when somebody is suffering forever, mm-hmm. it ends rather quickly. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Jonah. Jonah. And while we're turning there, Lawson, tell us about Jonah. What is Jonah famous for? Oh, Jonah's famous for getting swallowed by a fish. Okay. Uh, Actually, I have a really cool story. One of my friends, um, someone preached Jonah at their church. Um, and he brought, I'm pretty sure it was this guy's, he, he brought his dad along and his dad was like, oh, this is stupid and how can a fish swallow a person? But if you've been following the ru- the news recently, of course, we saw the uh, that whale swallow the, the scuba diver or whatever it was. The guy was like swimming around and the whale swallowed him and then he got out. And so, so yeah, that's pretty awesome. But yes, um, Jonah was swallowed by a fish. So Indeed he was. And uh, this is not the first time that somebody's been swallowed by a fish, and I'm sure it won't be by a whale, and I'm sure it won't be the last. Mm-hmm. And let's read about what Jonah said when he was inside the whale. Yes. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was inside a whale, I would be praying, and we find that Jonah was definitely praying inside the whale. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be really, really praying. And I reckon that if I was in there for about three milliseconds, it would feel like I was down there forever. Uh, let me see here. Where is this verse gone? Um, I'm going to come back with, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to find this verse and we'll be back and we'll have this song. We'll be back right after this song.
Welcome back, guys. This is Faith FM coming to you from Ethiopia, where we are studying the book of Revelation. We are sharing it night by night here um, in public venues all over the city of mm-hmm. Awasa. Uh, but right now we are sharing it with you right here on Faith FM. We were looking for this verse. I found the verse, and here it is, Jonah chapter 2. Let me read it for you. Yes. Uh, verse 5, the Bible says, The waters surrounded me, even to the soul. Oh, he's inside the, he's yeah. inside the fish. He says, the depths closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped around my head. Kind of makes you wonder what this whale had been eating. Mm. Is I went down to the bottoms of the mountains, so the fish, you know, the, the, the whale dives. Mm. The earth with her bars was around me for how long? Forever, the Bible says. Forever. So he was in there forever. He's like, yes, yeah, like I got swallowed by this whale, and I was in the whale's belly forever. Mm. And I've got to say that I would I would have to agree that if I was in that kind of a situation that I would feel like, you know, it was, uh, I, I've been there forever. Mm. We have a little visitor just landed on the oh, porch outside. Hey, yep. bird. Why is it that pigeons and doves are the same the world over? And they say the same thing. They make the same noise. But anyway, <laughs> uh, maybe we should invite him to come and talk on Faith FM Radio. <laughs> But that's okay. And so how long was Jonah in there? Three days. Three days is forever. Mm-hmm. There you go. Of course, there are many, many more yeah. examples. Well, think about Samuel. Yes. Samuel was was um, taken to the temple to live there forever. Mm. But we know that he retired to the village of Ramah. Yes. And so the word forever in, a, in the biblical context simply means until it is finished. Mm-hmm. And so if you're stuck in traffic forever, you're stuck in traffic until the traffic is finished. Yes. It's exactly the same. Nothing has changed. If you link the word forever with immortality, then you truly have eternity. Yes. And so, you know, heaven will last forever because you have immortality. Context is always going to tell you how to use the word forever. And when something is being turned into ash Mm. and consumed then it's very clear that forever is until it is done. I think one of the best insights that we can get, um, one of the most simple insights we can get about um, this this concept of not, you know, death uh, not going, uh, or hell not burning forever is, you know, John 3.16, you know, that the, yes. the, the yes. gift is Could eternal there be anything? life and that, uh, you know, if you perish, you know, if you don't accept Jesus, you perish, you know. Uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that those who believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. The Bible says perish for the wicked. <laughs> so, do you perish and stay alive forever? No. No, you perish and you perish. Let's read Malachi chapter 4. Okay. Let me uh, let me get there. Malachi, the old Italian prophet Malachi. Yep, Malachi. Uh, okay, which... which verse 1. 4 and verse 1. The Bible says, The Lord of heaven's armies says, The day of judgment is coming, burning like a furnace. On that day, the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like straw. There will be consumed roots, branches, and all. <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty clear, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They will be consumed. Roots, branches. When you get a fire that burns the roots out of the ground, that's a, that's a pretty hot fire. Yeah. And yeah. that's pretty thorough... Uh, Consuming mm. or devouring. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I've ever seen a bushfire so you know. Even even the hottest bushfires we've ever had here in Australia leave the stumps. Yes, 
But this one burns the roots out of the ground. The roots out of the ground. Wow. Okay, verse 3. Verse 3, the Bible says, um, uh, on, that, on the day when I act, you will tread upon the wicked as if they were dust under your feet, says the Lord of heaven's armies. In my translation, it says ash. Ash. They'll be turned to ash. Mm. Okay, so let's go over to Revelation. Let's look at a bunch of verses on this. We need to make this uh, really, really clear. Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21, and it's talking about the time period, of course, after hellfire. Mm -hmm. Revelation chapter 21, and then we will go to um, verse 4. Verse 4, in Revelation chapter 21, says... And, and as we read this, you need to notice that this is an unqualified statement. Mm-hmm. This is not qualified, so therefore it is a universal, across-the-board passage of Scripture. The Bible says in Revelation 21 and verse 4, it says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain all these things are gone forever. Okay, so the Bible says that we'll, there will be no more what? Sin. Mm-hmm. There will be no more death. Mm-hmm. And there will be no more pain. There will be no more crying. There will be no more sorrow. All of these things will be gone. How can you have no more pain if hellfire is eternal? Please explain. <laughs> yeah. Please. You know, this is not a qualified statement. This doesn't say, oh, just for the righteous is going to be like this. No. It doesn't say that. Mm. It says across the board, there is no more pain. Mm. Okay, so we have to ask ourselves the question, is God in the business of getting rid of sin or is God in the business of preserving sin? Preserving sin. sin. I think, and you know, another... another, Another passage that people use, I think we've talked about this in one of the questions of the day before. One of the passages people use is, I think it's Luke chapter 19, and they talk about that story about how you know, there's a man in heaven. and there's, uh, Luke 16, yeah. Yeah, Luke 16. There's a man in heaven, and then there's a man you know, in, in hellfire, and they're looking at each other, and then they're in Abraham's bosom, and it's like, it's, it's, it's obviously a fabricated story, but it's like, imagine if that's what heaven was really yeah, like. Yeah, that's right. You're going to take that one literally? Like, let's, let's take it literally and see where we end up. It's like, like I don't want to go there. Would that be the... Wouldn't that be the single most terrible place that you're up in heaven looking down at people burning forever and ever? I'd rather live here in Owasa. Oh, man, 100%. I'd rather live here in Owasa, like, any day after living in a place like that. Like, oh, just unbelievable. But, yeah, the Bible's so clear. There's no more pain, no more death, no more suffering. It's, like, so good. Okay, Jude, book of Jude. I'm just going to give you a bunch of verses on this one. Yeah, book of Jude. Because tomorrow we're going to talk about the the faith of Jesus Christ and the patience of the saints. Mm Mm-hmm. And those that are blessed because they sleep in the dust of the earth. All right, book of Jude, which verse? Uh, Verse 7. Verse 7 in the book of Jude says, And don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns, which were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. Those cities were destroyed by fire and serve as a warning of eternal of serve as a warning of the eternal fire of God's judgment. Okay, so let me ask you this they are serve as a warning and in my Bible it says they are an example of mm-hmm. eternal fire so you want to know what eternal fire is look like you simply look at Sodom and Gomorrah uh-huh. are they still burning no can you go to the Jordan Valley today and see two plumes of smoke rising into the sky nope no those fires went out very very quickly and the inhabitants were consumed by the fire of God mm-hmm. in fact if you go over to Peter 
Well, we don't have time for Peter. Uh, Peter says that the, that it's actually the inhabitants of the city that are uh, an example of what happens to the wicked, who were, and those inhabitants were turned into ash. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we need to move on with the show. The good thing, the good news is that hellfire does not burn for eternity. God is here to cleanse the world from sin. Mm. Uh, Lawson, we're back in a moment with uh, question of the day. Yes. Savior God to thee, how great thou 
listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Part of camping caravanning scene. Join Australia's largest annual national gathering of travellers and caravanners at the Stewart's Point Convention Centre this year, Stewart's Point, New South Wales. It's an amazing campground among the trees. Inspirational Christian speakers. With incredible music. And beautiful beaches. And a relaxing environment. Be part of the community and make friends for life. May 10 through 18. Stewart's Point Caravan and Convention Centre. Contact Debbie on 02. Four double nine four three double two zero, or simply email graynomads at adventist.org.au
Welcome back, everybody. We have come to question of the day, and our question for today, Lawson, is a controversial one. Yes, yes, controversial. In fact, we've had a couple of questions come through along this line, so we might be having another one coming up soon, which may even be more controversial than this one. We'll see how we go. All right, what have you got for us? Okay, our question is, how should Christians punish their children? Ooh. Okay, so the way you punish your the way you discipline your children is going to tell them about the character of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you need to bear that in mind in how you discipline your children, and you need to discipline your children in the way that God would discipline us, because that's really, you know, that's the, you are the first picture of God that your children will ever have, not that you are God, not by any stretch of the imagination. Okay, so we're going to talk about some controversial stuff here, and if you disagree with us, then, hey, by all means... Call on through. You know what our number is, 1-800-324-843. We would love to have this discussion with you on air. I'm going to share with you a couple of biblical principles. The first is that God is not flexible. And this is important. Let me share with you why. God says no. And when God says no, he means no. God doesn't say no, and then when we do it anyway, it's like, well, you know, it's just like, I'll let you off the hook this time. No, God says the wage of sin is death. He says, you eat that tree over there, you'll die. Simple as that. And so when Adam and Eve ate the fruit of the tree, they came under the penalty of death. Guess who said there was no consequences? Satan said that. Okay, so think about what you are training your children when you, cho- when you tell your children, this is a no, and then they do it anyway, and then you give them no consequences, what you are teaching them is that there are no consequences for doing the no. If you do that, you are actually training your children to be servants of Satan. If you're going to say something that is no, And if you're going to say that there are consequences when they do that thing, then you have to administer those consequences. You know, one of the things I so often see with uh, parents, and I'm probably going to uh, step on a bunch of toes here this morning, but that's okay, um, is parents will go to their children, no, don't touch that. And the kid touches it because all children are looking for boundaries. Children need security. They have a desperate need for security. And they will try and find that security every day. And the only way that children will ever find that security is when they find their boundaries. It's a little bit like playing blind man. You know that game where you put a mask over your face and you you touch all the people in the room? And you feel really insecure because you can't see anything. You don't know where the walls are. You don't know where the furniture is. You don't know whether you're going to trip over anything. But once you've figured out where the boundaries are, then you start to feel secure. Children are like that. And if you say no and there's a consequence, they know where the boundaries are. They're going to test it the next day or the next hour or the next minute. That's just the way that kids are. They're always trying to feel secure and so they'll always test the boundaries. Alternatively, if, imagine this, you're playing blind man and you you, you touch the wall and suddenly the wall moves and every time you touch it, it moves. You're going to feel incredibly insecure and if you tell your children no and there are no consequences to that, not only are you reinforcing Satan's first lie that there are no consequences for doing wrong, but you're making your children incredibly insecure and no wonder they're going to be badly behaved because they are desperately trying to find security somewhere. How should we punish our children? We should punish our children with love. 
The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 15, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. That's the way it should be. Children are young. And if the children are running the household, then the household is a mess. The only way that a household can be successful is when the parents who know things are teaching it to the children who do not know things. It goes on. But the rod of correction shall drive it from him. There you go. That's what the Bible says. Wow, did we just read that verse? (laughs) We just did. Okay, but how does God punish us? Does God punish us in hate? Does God punish us in anger? Not at all. When God punishes us, it is in love. And if you are going to discipline your children, sit them on their lap, hold them close, explain to them what they did wrong, have prayer with them, then administer discipline, and then hold them close again so that you know that you so that they know that you love them, and that discipline will be incredibly powerful and effective. What happens is we say no, our children do the no anyway, we ignore it, and so until the point where we get frustrated and then we lash out. And that is abuse. No parent should be involved in abuse. This is Bless the Little Children by Andy McLeod.
given the saving of a heart soul as parents with their children now let's reach for heaven's land pray lord bless the little children as they grow and hold your hand train a child in the way hold to grow trust and everybody you were listening to bless the little children by andy mcleod and we of course do need to bless our little children sometimes we bless our children with discipline as we were just mentioning a moment ago <laughs> but lawson we've come to the end of our show uh what are we giving away today i think the most appropriate thing to give away <laughs> would be the movie tortured for christ <laughs> And, and in what way? In what way is this appropriate, Laws? Well, it's not extremely appropriate, but I just, you know, as as a child, this is the or, opposite of how as a person, take you know, place. The, the Bible says the Bible says that that a parent chases, chastens us or disciplines us for what they seem got good, but God for our profit. Okay, and, and so it's like, yeah, I was. Well, this is a story. I will say this: this is a story where this guy faced some hard yeah, times, some hard torture. On a level that you cannot even begin to imagine. And it was those hard times that have given him the ability to start the organization that runs today, which is uh, um, Voice of the Martyrs. Yeah. It It would not happen if he had not been through that. It was actually really awesome. I got to see the movie. Um, I got to see the movie through the Voice of the Martyrs guy. We did like a a screening. I mean, it's just, just... Powerful, and that's the thing. It's like you watch that movie, and the torture is just incredibly harsh. But because of that, he was able to, you know, God through that testimony and that witness gave him the power to be able to, you know, so many people have been have been converted. The book, uh, people have been converted, lives have been saved. Yeah, um, human rights have been uh, restored. You know, just mm. a massive movement right across the world. So yeah, I think it is relating to, to discipline of our kids because it's like we discipline them, they get better. And this guy, he was he was tortured for Christ, and, and he got better. So yeah, you know what the number is one eight hundred three two four eight four three. Give us a call. Be the first one through.